listening to episode 225 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our look at season two of the showcase Netflix series Travelers. And, you know, it's uh, Monday Night Football for us, so right after we record, we're going to hit the TVs, got the DVR ready to go so we don't miss anything, fast forward through the commercials. Right. Should should actually work out pretty well. It should work out well. So, all right. Well, I'll give you the uh, first shot at this week's pick of the week. What do you got for us? Okay. Well, this week, well, I'm sure it'd be probably no surprise to anyone that my pick for this week is The Punisher. Okay. Netflix just dropped it. I think they just dropped it last week. That's when I first noticed it. Okay. How many have you seen? All of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah, it's like three nights. I was like, it was really, really good. I don't know if it's better than Luke Cage. I don't know, but it was good. Okay. I was going to say, is it maybe in the top three of the Marvel shows? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. All right. I haven't had a... I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. I I certainly intend to. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it was really good. Um, you know, I, I always say that, um, you know, your, um, you know, your, your, your kind of, especially an action type movie is always gonna kind of, um, be best, um, judged by the baddies, you know, and the bad guys in this were just awesome. Yeah, they were so good. And the one guy, it was just killing me. Like, I knew, like, I knew him. I just couldn't place it. And then, so I just looked up his IMDb. So the, the one guy in it who plays uh, um, one of um, Frank Castle's uh, war buddies was in Westworld. Oh, okay. he, he was Logan in Westworld. So, like, the whole time, just like, I know this guy, I know this guy. And then, so, so there. But, uh, but yeah, it was great. Um, very, very violent. So, if you don't like like really violent things uh it's probably not for you and but the punisher you know we knew from before um that he is racked by grief still over the death of his family and he's used that as a motivation to go out and punish all of those who had anything at all in any way to to do with it and um you know and and so he this uh, whole basic series is his continuance of that that quest for vengeance, um, and it was just great. And John Barenthal is just, you know, I mean, people might say he plays kind of like the same part every time, but I mean, he just can bring like, you know, like he plays that super edgy, tough guy, but he's got that like I don't know how he does it. He you know kind of emanates that inner humanity that. Um, I don't know if anyone else could have done it like that. He was he was awesome. Punisher was great, so that's my pick of the week. All right. Well, in, in keeping with the Marvel theme, I'm going with a Hulu entrance into the Marvel Universe, and that is Runaways. So that uh, I happened to run into an acquaintance of mine, a pretty good friend, and we were talking about it, and he said, look, I'm not going to be around. Here, here's, use my account. So... Anyway, so I got to see the first three Marvel Runaways. They dropped episodes one, two, and three together on November 21st, and then there'll be one episode per week, 10 episodes. And it's 
a group of six teenagers who discover that their parents are part of some occult-like group doing something that certainly doesn't look good. They set out to discover what it is their parents are really doing. Meanwhile, one of the six is exhibiting powers of her own so that, you know, the others aren't, you know, that they don't have any powers that, that have become manifested at this point. But this one girl does, and, and we find out that, you know, she has a sister who is one of the six, but she is adopted. Although we find out pretty early on a little bit of backstory about how it is that she came to be adopted by them. Yes, it follows predominantly these six teenagers, but it also follows their parents, a number of whom that, you know, listeners will surely recognize from other shows. And and certainly in my notes, I can't remember their names, but if you're a Buffy fan, you'll you'll know Spike and in all of my notes for that, that show, because we're going to be uh, dealing with it on Sci-Fi Fidelity. I just keep calling him Spike in the notes, although he doesn't have the white white blonde hair as he does in Buffy. But definitely, if you have Hulu, it's worth checking out. I I really think in terms of Marvel shows that, you know, I mean, they're all over the place. And I mean that in the the best sense of the word. You mentioned uh, Punisher being violent. There's literally no action in Runaways, but it's all of this mystery and intrigue and will there be action? Yeah, I would think somewhere down the road. But, you know, it's more of a cerebral show. And, and again, not that Punisher's not cerebral, because as you said, it, and I don't know much of the story, but but as you said, he, he's racked with these feelings of vengeance and there's probably a little bit of guilt thrown in there. But anyway, Runaways, Hulu, worth checking out. All right, cool. So. And plus Lita Ford and Joan Jetter in it, too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, as always, want to remind you guys, we'd love to hear from you. Emails at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website where you can leave a voicemail. Well, you can't right now because the website has been down for about 14 hours. Not not just ours, everybody on the Podbean server. But uh, once you get there, use the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip if you want, send us the MP3, tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. But as always, consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. All right. So we got a lot to talk about with Travelers, episode yes. 206, U-235. And this one's written by Pat Smith and Ashley Park, who also wrote Jacob and 1127, directed by Andy Makita. This is his ninth Travelers episode, and this aired November 20th, 2017. All right. You know, one of the things that that really struck me as I'm, you know, watching this, taking notes is shit's getting real now, you know, and and it's (laughs) it's I mean, it is a time travel show and not that we've ever lost the sense of that. But now trying to, you know, figure out what the hell just happened. Uh, What does this mean? What does that mean? And, And certainly are there multiple timelines or just one that's been impacted by the changes in the 21st. And, you know, going back to my continuum days, I guess it's really what you would call a branched timeline, or at least that's what it seems, you know, because until we get an answer, it's all, you know, speculation. But, you know, they came back to 2016, right? And once they 
completed the Helios mission, which you know we assume is what causes the changes, now there's a new timeline that branches off. And in that timeline, of course, Shelter 41 didn't collapse. So that original timeline you know, where uh, it did collapse is, is basically null and void. So, right. Well, in which case there, there wasn't a branching, you know, like a la continuum, but just simply everything changed. Like the, fu- the whole future. Like, so there's just one timeline and it just changes. Well, you know? well, I guess you, I mean, so, so you're saying you think it's linear. So they go back and then at, at, See, see, because that's the thing. If they go back to 2016, change the future with Helios, and it's just linear, well, it's like it couldn't have happened yet. You'd have to let time. This is where, this is where like, just talking about time travel just gets so crazy. But yeah, exactly. no, but yeah, because, well, then, well, my theory, you could be shooting the foot by saying, well, why do they remember the future as, as why do mac and his team why do they remember the future as they experienced it would that not change if what they changed in 2016 changed the future which changed their future would their memories be then different of you know so it's just yeah i know what you're saying i don't think they would be but like you said um but yeah i mean like how, how does that work right i mean like this is where this is where the problem with time travel comes in how does that work how does you know, and then of course now, if you're saying, well, you know, this one thing it branches out, causes another branching. Well, then there must be infinite branches, and every moment we make, there's infinite number of decisions uh, that we make that can affect, you know, which affects the next decision. So it's just, and, and that's my question word, because yeah. every time a group of travelers comes back, if they do something significant, does it create a new branch? And you would think yes, and you know, Mac and his team would be part of that new branch as well. And then the old branch that, you know, the first branch, I guess, would be inactive, so to speak. But <laughs> inactive. But yeah, well, we, if you look at the butterfly effect, I mean, they could be branching time left, right, and center and not even really know it. Right. Just because but they're I, making different decisions. Well, I guess the people died. Well, but the right, person guess, lives. So that, that, that in itself, every time, like the person continues to live past, you know, the. The um, you know, moment that that they were supposed to die can create. The, now they're they're definitely changing the future, right? Right. But I guess the fundamental question: Are they making things better in the future from which they come? And and, and that's when things start to get dicey because as as we were just kind of alluding, well, the future from which they came doesn't exist anymore. Right. So it's. Anyway, but even the future that, that's been replaced with seems like it's still pretty crappy. Exactly. Right. So it, it may they're really be, not changing things. Right. Better, maybe, maybe not, but different. Yes, we can at least say that. Now, you know, one of the things that I think we were getting into last week that we've heard before, but it gets restated here, is that consciousness can only be sent back as far as the most recent traveler. So if there's if the director or the faction is sending people back from the future, they can only come to the now. They can't go back to 2015 or 2013 or you know, they can only come now to 2017. Right. Very convenient and, time travel rule. 
Right. And, and that's fine. And, and we do learn, though, that messengers count. That, you know, I, I think that was something that I certainly wondered about. Now, quantum frame, you know, I guess, and again, I was always a little fuzzy on this. It stores consciousnesses waiting for an available host. And it's just that we learned that the faction, you know, right before it, it lost control and shut the, the the director down, it dumped, you know, however many thousands of consciousnesses sure. into the quantum frame uh, waiting to, you know, I guess, as we said, find a host. But why did the director want it destroyed? Where is it now? Now, on the one hand, that maybe the director wanted it destroyed because it, you know, he feared it would be in the hands of the faction. But for all you know, for all we know, I don't think it's been destroyed. I don't. I mean, I, I know no. that was their mission, but well, the last we saw it was doing okay, right? Right, right. So we where just is saw it? it last episode. Did well, we um, that's the big machine, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So we just saw so, it because. Like, uh, uh, you know, Walt's dudes had control of it. Right, but is it still in that same lab oh, yeah. facility? Well, that's right. We don't know that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, we assume probably. I, so it looks like a big machine to move, you know. All right, now here's one that really, and, and this is, I always go back and, and I refer to it as the the Game of Thrones syndrome. And, and you, you know the characters much better than I. Uh, the, the one guy, I think is Prince Oberon, he's fighting the giant yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And he, he's got the guy down. He's got him. He's won the fight. And no, he's got to get cocky. And the next thing you know, he's got his eyeball smashed yeah. out and his, his skull brain, crushed. Skull crushed, yeah. Right. So, Th- Thank you for bringing that back for me too, Dave. That's one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen on television. Right, right. And, but uh, but it's something that drives me crazy. And, and it seems to crop up in, in every show that I'm reviewing these days. But what's the plan now? Is it to hunt down members of the faction and do what? Kill them? Yeah, now, I don't know. Well, so, all, so, all the- so, so here, here's something. It, it, before we maybe consider that, consider this because the director you know i mean like did the director not see this happening basically i guess is what i'm saying when the the director had them stopped helios did the director not know then that that would cause shelter 41 not to collapse which would give rise you know it seems like either a the director is not really that all-knowing or b the director totally knew everything was going to shake out like this. And so everything that happens is according to some kind of preordained plan. That's blasphemy. You Are know? you kidding me? Grace would uh, be all over you. No, I, exactly. I know, but that I, just, uh, it leads me to wonder though, you know, cause like, well, well, you know, exactly. And I mean, my question about what's their plan now, I mean, they go into that. I mean, it looked like an old abandoned mine shaft there, uh, you know, when they meet Forbes team and they, you know, they use that warhead and, you know, we'll get to the, some of the details in a few minutes and they explode it and, and we assume kill some of his team, right? Yeah. Well, when Mac and his team first go to the lab looking for the uranium and they find those two faction guys, why don't you just kill him? He slugs them, knocks them out. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't get that. You know, if, 
you know the faction is fighting against everything that you stand for what you know what you've already violated protocol three with the explosion now i know in in, you know one took place before the other but you knew you were going to do that or maybe you didn't at that time i guess that would be the excuse maybe when when they went to the facility and the uranium was gone they hadn't hatched that plan yet so i guess that's that's fair so certainly moving forward well i think also i mean the the as a writer, probably putting that in there to show that that the faction really are bad, right? Because Walt shows up and he just, without hesitation, shoots the, the, the people there, right? Um, okay. Whereas Max shows up, exact same situation. He's got them. He's got the gun on, on the two guys, helpless, and uh, and he just punches them. Well, so I think it's just meant to really show, because yeah, I mean, like obviously from a you know strategic point of view, to leave those guys behind alive probably not a great call, um, but also that shows that humanity of Mac versus the lack of it that was in the, who I don't even know what we call the guy who took over Walt for that brief period, but right. But the, as Jenny would argue we're willing to make the hard decisions that the director's people are, are not willing or able to make. And we're both fighting for the same thing, which is the survival of the human race. So I, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it certainly sets a tone ethically, but you know, how long can Max team follow that? But more importantly, how do you determine who's faction and who's not? Right, so that's a, well. Uh, they, they they at the end of the episode, they are wondering that exact same question. Yeah. All right. At this point, Grace has become intolerable. Oh, and, stop it! Oh my God! I mean, well, first of all, Mac doesn't trust her. I don't think. But but I think what gets me is this whole that I programmed the director. It's wearing a little thin because as you were talking a few minutes ago well apparently the director is in fact i mean why didn't the director see why didn't the director anticipate these things occurring or did now, it well grace would argue oh he did that's why or it did that that's why uh, i don't know but but i don't i've just had it with her <laughs> I, I mean i mean she thinks she knows what she's doing. I mean, take the nanites, for right. instance. You know, so she takes the nanites. Who put her in charge? First of all, it's Max Team. Yeah, uh, he left Marcy in charge. She, you know, stored the nanites. She thinks she knows what she's doing. It nearly kills Jenny because the faction anticipated that. Yeah. So if you are flawed in your thinking, why would I think? that you who programmed the director w- would not, you know, at, right. at least have some flawed programming. Yes. Well, and, and Grace has been kind of a loose cannon from word one, right? Sure. Just yeah. kind of doing what she thinks is right and, you know, forget about rules or anything like that. So, um, <clears throat> And then the whole thing, and we talked a little bit about this last week, Marcy's reset. And what is it that Grace left out? And, you know, the, the whole idea, because thinking about it in those terms, it's almost like what, what I call a targeted reset. 
so is there something specifically that was left out? And and that brings up something that that I wanted to kind of clarify because uh, you know we've talked about Marcy 1.0, 2.0, etc. I, I think I've been designating the Marcy's probably in in not necessarily incorrect but but unclear. So Marcy 1.0 would be the developmentally challenged young woman uh-huh. that's there. The original woman who was meant to die. Exactly. Who for all intents and purposes died. She did right, die. 2.0. Right? God. No, I'm just saying she did die. That that person died when Marcy sure. 2.0 was downloaded or whatever. Right, and we see her beat up those thugs in, in yes. one of her first scenes. Like and the first scene of the point, whole series, right? Right. And and then three would be the current version. Current, yes. And, and you know, as as uh, a result of the reset. All right, so that device that Philip and Trevor are constructing, because then we get into trying to piece all right, again, what the hell just happened? Did they construct a power source? For the directors, what turns out to be a three-second burst right. that not only sends the cure, but yeah, it does you know everything but cure cancer. I'm wondering, is that the leftover antimatter storage container from season one? And then you get into the beacon and uh, and and all of that. But I'm assuming that was the power source because we know it's not the uranium because Forbes team. Yeah, has has that somewhere. We know the explosion in the mine was that warhead, which was not nuclear. Right. They just they just led Forbes team to believe it was uh, that that was conventional. So I'm assuming that was the power source that that you know enabled the director to do what it did. And then, the other well, yeah, huge- yeah, well, whatever, whatever Trevor you know buried or whatever was definitely the the power source that was able to allow those three seconds uh, for the director to get all that stuff done in just the three seconds. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what, what the actual, what it was. So your, your antimatter device idea sounds as good as anything. Like, I don't know. Well, I was trying to remember, and again, I'd have to go back and, and look at the episode or, or at least try to find images online, which I didn't do. But again, regardless, I think one, thing that does come out of that because you think all right that's a lot to do in three seconds but i suppose on the one hand two to three hundred years in the future what's a computer capable of doing compared to what computers i mean you think what they can do now so uh it it seems pretty godlike but it is what it is but but the other huge thing that we learn is what their future was like and that you know they they were basically living in an ice age i mean they talk about a kilometer of ice yeah i mean that's that's like what what's that like two-thirds of a mile i think something like uh, that three three-fifths yeah okay so that's a lot of ice so i mean was there some future environmental catastrophe because you know without turning this into some sort of political debate about global warming and its impact on the earth and all of that i mean you know not denying that but this seems like there had to have been some catastrophic event 
right to to change things that so what was it you know i mean yeah. will we that know, drove them they, to go live in canada right and, you know because they talk about and that was a cool scene as they're looking out over that valley which you know it was just a beautiful image and that's where their domes were built oh well, and, you and know who fact, survived you know who survived the apocalypse who all the people in dark angel yeah good point you know, all the, they kept going to canada i'll go to canada yeah yeah well now we know why they went there well, to, that's to the other survive the apocalypse thing about philip pointing out that he'd never been outside the dome right right so i i guess there's a certainly a, a significant portion of the population that was born in the dome and, and and that's that's it the other thing in addition to the cure the director in these three seconds overwrote two travelers now w- one thing i had to go and look up because you know i heard somebody mentioned a tell t-e-l-l and that had appeared earlier in another episode, time, elevation, latitude, and longitude. And I guess I, I interpret it as basically a tracker that the director had on Forbes and Jenny. Right. Because those are the only two that we, we know of. Right. But I, I were, think they, they said that others, but not all, but that there were others. Okay. And that, we just don't know them yet. So in yeah. our in our world... Jenny is now Jenny 3.0. Yes. As is Forbes. And that will be interesting to see you know how these relationships again develop. So there's so much thrown at us that uh you know of course I'm loving it. It it makes my head hurt sometimes trying <laughs> to to think of some of these things. But I I guess that's one of the things that's so great about this show is that you you certainly have to think but there's also the moral and ethical aspects of it like we're talking you know what do you do do you just knock them out or do you kill them i mean if you just knock them out they're going to come back for you again so it's a it's a tough call all right so opening scene you know we still we see jenny she's still sick but they've got her restrained you know in the bed and and there's that whole thing talking about moral and ethical trying to justify taking the bodies of innocence versus you know, the authorized travelers, if you will, taking those bodies of people about to die. And, and she argues, how is it any different? You know, I, I get her point and I get Max reasoning, but there is a moral issue here. You know, I mean, I mean, there's no way to justify the factions approach, but right. I mean, it, it can be considered wrong to take somebody's body without their consent, death or not. Right, but again, when you are, you know, uh, basically entering a person's body seconds before they're, you know, going to die anyway, I, you know, you you get how it's a fine, you know, by fine I mean slight, um, you know, difference uh, ethically, but I think there is, you know, a difference though there, you know. Yeah, but but it's like it, we've talked about what is Kat going to do when she finds out the truth, if in fact she ever does find it out. Well, would you rather have your husband dead or would you rather have his body with a new consciousness in it? Yeah, but again, as I point out many times, 
trying to explain that to her and tell her. That's the thing about like telling them the truth. Like, how on earth did any of these people tell the other people in their lives the truth and not just have that person think they're crazy? Well, I understand that, but I guess I would argue there's always a way. And I'll, I'll use the example of Lucifer, who is the devil. And, of course, he tells everybody that, and, of course, nobody believes him. And then there's one scene uh, where he, because he is in therapy as well, and he reveals himself to his therapist. And, of course, she's freaked out, but she's already got this bond with him. So now she's got that knowledge, and then she, of course, learns who the other angel is and then who the demon that protects the devil is. And she has relationships with them. And, you know, but so, I mean, there's a way. I, I don't know what that way is in Travelers, but there is a way. Now, so we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, okay. You know, there's a lot of, you know, we've gone character by character a little bit. And, and I just want to touch real briefly, you know, Jeff and Carly, He's obviously still sick, and, and, and God bless him. And, and again, I, I, I keep saying this, as I know you do. We're not forgetting what he's done, but, I mean, the guy's trying. He, he, he does everything he can for the baby. And then when she gets home with the vaccine, her attitude seems to have changed a little bit. I mean, there, there's this empathy coming from, from her when he says, I didn't know what to do other than to hold him. Right. And it's like, I mean, it was really touching. And then when he says he's supposed to report to work and she tells him, now, why don't you just take a rest for a bit? I thought, you know, that's the first kind thing you've done in a while. And, and, uh, and then he, he agrees to do that. So, well, I think part of it, because she seems, I'm not seeing, she is obviously clearly, upset by the difference that everyone seems to notice between her and Marcy 2.0, right? Sure. So it's kind of bothering her. Like She's like, everyone seemed to like the old Marcy a little bit better. I don't know why. I wonder what's wrong with me. And so one of the things is she knows that you know Marcy before and David had been intimate and so, you know, she's probably might be thinking, well, you know, what, you know, like, whereas before she just kind of like blew him off and said, I'm just going to, you know, cut that, you know, we're not even going to go down that path. I don't want that. That was the old Marcy's deal. It's not mine. Now she's like, maybe starting to see in David what, what the previous Marcy saw in him. Let's go ahead and move on to David for a second. You know, we still, we talked about his heroism and and certainly nothing changes there. Uh, He does, I assumed that I, even on the rewatch, that man that he finds on the floor, I'm assuming the guy was dead from the virus. Okay. But the reality of this pandemic is setting in, you know, he hears about looting taking place and he mentions a movie he saw that he now realizes was kind of on the mark but again i there's not a lot of humor in travelers but uh you know he says you know there's a you know deathly pandemic raging through the city let's go smash a window and steal a tv yeah (laughs) i don't understand yeah but that that scene where he goes home and the streets are empty i don't know if you noticed but the the disorienting camera angles and, and and the shaky camera 
I, I thought was just brilliant because, I mean, that's had to be what he was feeling as well, yeah. he goes out well, on these streets. Well, also, hello, 28 Days Later, right? Sure. Because it was just, it was like the, the, the same scene where the, the camera... Um, you know, shows the guy on the streets that are absolutely deserted and, yeah, very disoriented and uh, alienating. Yeah. And then we talk about, I mean, not really disorienting, but but certainly confusing. She goes to David's and she's got an injection ready for him, but determines that he's not infected. So she tells him, you know, use it on that friend of yours that, you know, well, I thought the guy was dead. But, um, but then she says... Uh, you know, I've got to go help some other people, but I'll be back later if that's okay. So I'm thinking, well, did I miss something? Is she back living at David's again? And well, no, I think I this think is what gonna, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I think this is what you were getting out a minute ago. Has her attitude towards him changed? Yeah, well, I think it, it, it definitely has, especially when she sees, you know, again. I, I, I'm going to stop saying how I used to give David crap because, like, I, now they've really this, this character for me has has really kind of shown his worth and everything. Especially here, he keeps pulling down his mask just to show people who he is. I mean, I don't know why he can't just say, it's David. You know, when people are like, how do you know my name? It's David. You know, but he has to keep pulling down his mask with in, with all these sick people. And, and this time, the guy coughs right in his face, which was, that was nice. So how is he not infected is the question. I mean, he had a sick guy cough right in his face when his mask was down. There's just no way. He's got to be infected. Well, but he just it must be genetic. I mean, we know it was targeted to kill 30% of the population. So, you know, however that works out. And, you know, I mean, why is Marcy immune? Why, you know, is Mac immune? For whatever reason, just leave it at that. But And speaking of Mac, you know, we see the scene, Catherine's watching the TV reports. And, of course, the first thing they, they blurt out is something about the danger to pregnant women and being more vulnerable but that scene where he goes home he, he's taken her some groceries tells her he won't be home for a few days which is of course not what she wants to hear but you know this relationship you know is really starting to mend a little bit and then he tells her he loves her and and i think guy means it he really does and even though she doesn't respond you could see it in her face that it it was something she longed to hear. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is it's a, it's a nice touching moment when he he does that. And you're right, he he absolutely. And I don't think we doubted him bef- before. You know, like at first, I think Cat to him was an annoyance and something that was just getting between him and Carly because you know Carly was his squeeze again. You know, this is why we don't sleep with people at work. Um, but, uh, but yeah, especially after that, like we said, that episode where he, you know, um, you know, actually lived out their relationship. Um, you know, he feels the same way about her as he, as the original, uh, Grant felt about her. So, yeah, that's sure as how it's seeming, which is kind of cool in a way. Cause I, I really like Catherine. Um, now Marcy and Grace kind of got paired up in this episode and, you know, we already talked a little bit, you know, Grace wants to program the nanites, but, you know, Marcy says, you know, no, and Grace does it anyway. But there's really this developing animosity 
between the two. And I wonder how that's going to play out because at the end of the day, the fact that Grace programmed the director, how much cachet does that continue to hold? I mean, is it still important? I mean, the director is supposedly back online, at least as I understand it. And the faction has been temporarily beaten back in the future, as I understand it. So if it comes down to a pissing match, I mean, Max going to side with Marcy, I would think. Yeah. I'd well, be shocked Marcy's if he didn't. On his team and everything. but that Yeah, um, and that's what I mean. And, yeah. and the trust factor. Sure. But so. then again, like, well, then you go. The trust factor is a good point because she's not – Really, I mean, they. I mean, obviously, it's still like they they trust her implicitly, but uh, you know, she's not the Marcy that they, you know, had before, right? You know, so right. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to really play into it or anything, but but certainly Grace can't expect the anyone on the team to kind of be more sympathetic, you know, and side with her over any other member of the team. That's just that's probably not going to happen. Um, now, I think Grace is just you know she just. She, she she she's just one of those personalities that can't sit still right and she and she kind of uh, likes bossing people around but there's no place for that here there's there's no one for her to follow her orders well you know who it reminds me of and and this is a fictional character that you've already seen the entire series multiple times i would imagine it's sherlock i mean it, it's like she has no idea of the impact of the words coming out of her mouth and how they might hurt people. Yeah, or and, her actions too. Like the nanites, and, and, she doesn't even consider that she might be really super wrong putting the nanites in Jenny. Right. So, all right, well, let's take a look at the main plan because obviously, uh, you know, and some of these things we've already talked about, but Forbes goes to that uranium facility, you know, they're, they're refining fuel for the director and, and, you know, solid plan, you know, they'll refine it and then store it somewhere that the director can find in the future. All right. That, that's, you know, solid plan. And that's going to enable the director to, you know, continue running the uh, reactor, which, which powers it and, and all of that. But things get complicated you know, in a hurry. You know, the plan's already in place. Description that the director sent a team to refine the uranium and would only need a few kilos. Um, I'm trying to think how much of a how much a kilogram is. Yeah, okay, I, kilograms I a thousand gram. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that much. No, I well, could be it's wrong. Like, uh, a, isn't a kilogram kind of equivalent? Here we are, like you know. Stupid yeah. U.S. people don't know the metric system at all, right? But, but I mean, isn't a kilogram somewhat equivalent to a pound? Like, I think so. More, yeah. So it's it's not a lot, regardless. So, um, and, and you know, all we have to do is take it to the location where the director is going to eventually be built. It'll be there when the time comes. Without the fact, oh, okay, great. Within this, you know, we we talked about Jenny being restrained. So a kilogram is about two pounds. Okay. So, yeah. So, basically, in the ballpark. All right. Now, Philip, if you recall, last week we talked about why Jenny took the oxycodone, whether it was guilt or wanting to avoid the pain. And and Philip raises that same question to her, and she says, yeah, the pain. 
But uh, he, he's not totally buying it because he even mentions the guilt factor. So we don't necessarily get an answer. Yeah, but I, I mean, she was fairly emphatic, I think. Uh, you know, I you know last week I clearly said that um, I thought that she did have some degree of guilt, but uh, she like pretty emphatically denied feeling any guilt at all, and I kind of believed her. Um, so yeah. I thought we, and you know, I, th- I thought we might have an opportunity to kind of maybe explore that more, but uh, that ain't going to happen now. Okay, and, and in fact, he tells her. She's going to die a painful death. So I guess at this point, there's there's no hope for this couple. I guess. But, well, there is now. But, well, now, I, now that see, Jenny's at, the, now we're at three with Jenny. So, and she doesn't remember any of what she did. I assume related to you know the faction and and related to uh, you know conning Philip. But the problem is, will he be able to? And that's what's so interesting about this, because intellectually, he knows, okay, this is not the Jenny that, you know, did this to me. So I'm still digging her. I mean, she's still, uh, you know, I I, I like the way she looks, you know, I mean, was it, did it ever get beyond that? I mean, was it just on Philip? For Philip, we clearly, yes, but purely physical. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it was for him. I I think he was really into her. Um, But, uh, you know, she's just not that into you, Philip. Well, she wasn't. She might be now. Um, Interesting how they sent her off on some other mission somewhere else right away so that there is that separation here between her and Philip. Um, But, you know, you kind of feel like probably what David felt like, though he didn't understand it, that all of a sudden Marcy was completely, well, not completely different, but Marcy was slightly different. Yeah, but he doesn't know. Right, but at least Philip knows about the whole traveler consciousness thing. Right, right. Does that make it any better, though? Right, It's still the same thing. This person was, because it's almost like, because, I mean, Jenny doesn't change because she gets a traveler shot into her. She she changes for Philip because she reveals who she actually was in the first place. You know, like we've discovered the person that she was with Philip was a, a false identity. Um, so, you know, so, but I think basically it's probably the same thing for, from each person's perspective. Um, and and I, last week I also drew comparison between these two relationships, but that for both of them, that, that hurt that they feel, um, I think is pretty, probably fairly similar one to the other realizing that this person who they really liked now doesn't like them from a narrative perspective do you want jenny around yeah yeah i think so yeah i kind of do too i don't know and again we've both said this a number of times we try to stay off imdb because it tells you things you don't necessarily want to know while you know you've got episodes ahead of you so i i don't know what the plan for her is but yeah i i I thought she could be a pretty you know interesting character and and again i mean before this i mean we really only saw philip's relationship with ray and and obviously it was a totally different kind of relationship it was you know he ray was his lawyer and and you know philip was you know helping him make money at the racetrack or wherever but you know, it, it, everybody else seemed to have somebody, and, and to watch Philip going through the drug problems and the addiction, so it was nice to see him 
have somebody. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that works out. I loved the whole fake warhead scenario. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love right from the start when and I, I when they first get to the Air Force Base, uh, sir, this is uh, the exit. I'm yeah. thinking like. All right, how the hell did you get? <laughs> all right, well, how, and how do you get like? I mean, first of all, the guy looks and sees Philip with his long hair and his nose ring, and it's like this supposed to be this guy's supposed to be military. Like, well, seriously? no, they were supposed to be CDC, I, I believe. No, but still, oh, okay. It's like, all right, well, well, does he know that? Did he ask for ID from any of them except for Grant? Well, he didn't, and then no. I guess once he no. I know. I, so, and you know what? This is funny because I wrote this down. I'm like, you know what? It is harder for me to get my family into Canada than it was for him to get his whole team onto that base that's supposed to be closed down in quarantine. And then later, we see people just walking into Canada. And I'm like, well, I guess it is easier to get into Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I loved the captain's reaction. Uh, I think her name was Garcia. It's like, you know what? I would love to hear the explanation for how this warhead is going to help stop this virus. But yeah. it's being loaded in your vehicle as we speak. And, uh, you know, and, and I like McLaven, <laughs> which was another thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, it's McLaren. No, yeah. it's McLaven. Yeah, you're right. There was some. There was a, a bit of humor injected here that we haven't seen in a while. So yeah, that was good. Yeah, and, and they did it in such a subtle way mm-hmm. that that it was it, it was just perfect. So, but, but you know, like we're thinking, what I'm sure everyone in America is thinking is just like, or everyone watching the show, not just America. Sorry, um, you know, like really, you just go onto a base and they give you a nuke. Seriously, yeah, because that's what we thought was happening here, right? Well, but they had a, an admiral, and again, I, I assume but the admiral still, must be a traveler. Well, you know, like, give me an effing break, you know, right? Because, like, well, I mean, I think if an admiral sends, you know, a message to a captain that you need to now, and again, this was a warhead off a long decommissioned, yeah, uh, right. But when they took it. We thought it was a nuclear warhead. Well, of course we did. Yes, right. yes. So, but but the captain knew it wasn't. Right, right. But but I'm saying so. This is where like the writers. I, I thought it was very skillfully done because they're playing oh, with yes. us, with yes. our brains. Because we are thinking when the big reveal comes that, like McLaren's like, what? Do you think they'd actually give us a nuclear warhead? Like he's saying that to Forbes and his team, but he's also kind of saying it to me. Because I thought it was a nuclear warhead too. And the whole time I'm like thinking screaming bloody murder in my head. And like he's like that that line was just like as for the you know, the faction, but it's also for the audience. Come on. Yeah. Do you really think we're gonna have a plot point where they snuck a nuclear warhead off of a US base? Come on, give us some credit, you know? Uh well, I know. And and I guess <laughs> that's true. I'll 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 just leave it at that. There's you know, you're you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Um, obviously sometimes we got to make a leap, but that's a pretty darn big leap. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Uh, we, you know, we mentioned Jenny 3.0, uh, she's coordinating deliveries of the serum and, and, you know, the CDC. And I read on a message board somewhere. I don't think it was the Reddit site. It was, I think it was a forum. Somebody said that 
I know this is going to make me sound terrible, but I was kind of disappointed that, you know, 2 million people didn't die. And I know what the person meant that wrote that. You do? That, well, in, in that, you know, again, from a believable narrative perspective. Oh. Now, yeah. I guess the argument would be that, and, and I do believe Marcy said this or Jenny said it, I forget who, that the, you know, the, the virus was supposed to uh, take its time so that the the medical community wouldn't think it was all that serious and then boom it would be serious. So I think what this person was getting at is that the believability factor that you've got this worldwide pandemic and that all of a sudden you've got the cure, you've manufactured enough serum that quickly and yeah. I guess there's no regulations for this serum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that's what the person meant, and and I I, I get it. I mean I, I get it. So there's a little little sex machina there. Yeah, yeah. And and then that final scene. Yeah, little kid shows up at little HQ. Kid's creepy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then just doesn't say anything. So yeah. is is this a messenger or just a lost kid? <laughs> I think we're assuming it's a messenger and that we're going to hear the message at the beginning of next episode. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, you know, never watched the next week on Travelers, so I don't know if they – yeah, I would certainly think they did not. I mean, that's – Yeah. You know, one don't of the know, Don't reveals. watch it, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. But uh, – so anything else you want to add that we haven't talked about? Um, no. I think we got it all pretty much, all, everything that I had. Yeah. Um, so if there's anything, you know, that you guys think we're missing in terms of timelines and branch timelines and, uh, you know, the way all of this time travel works, because it really hasn't been clearly set. And, and that's fine. I know Continuum took a while. You know, they would they would let us know that, no, uh, you know, the grandfather uh, dilemma is not in effect here because remember who was it uh kellogg uh, roger yeah roger cross killed uh kellogg's grandmother and or, or no i mean uh it was it was Kier- now no, i can't remember who it was, was who it was, it was kellogg's grandmother i think okay right that's what i thought right, I can't, right. I just, i'm trying to remember if it was his grandmother or it was his mother i think it was his grandfather but it's definitely kellogg's because right. there was that so, that after she shot he looks at his hands like he's expecting himself to to disappear disappear at any moment now, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so actually, there is one thing though. This talking about time travel is you got to love the quick turnaround on time travel. Basically, as soon as Trevor had that uh, with that power source squared away, boom, everything changes. Right. Right. Sure. Like director immediately gets back online, though in reality, you know, it took you know, a couple hundred years for that uh, power source to make it to the director. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, it's well, the because, same thing with well, the, because the, the director once online a hundred years in the future immediately can affect things in the past. Right. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. All I know is for sure is that whole idea that they can only go back as far as the most recent traveler. Yeah. 
So they can't go back to like 19, you know, 33 and kill Hitler or whatever. Right. So, right. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. This was, uh, you got a letter grade for this one? Uh, yeah. You know, so I think I'm going to give it an A minus just because of that. I agree with not, I didn't want to see millions of people die, but the ending just seemed a little too neat. Yes. You know? I agree. So, and that's what I was thinking as well. All right. Well, want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about anything that's going on in genre TV, travelers, upcoming librarians. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails, as we said, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website once it's back up and running. And we'll be back next week to talk about Season 2, Episode 7 of Travelers, titled 17 Minutes. But until then... Well, Dave, as we go to watch Monday Night Football now, I just want you to remember that most of your team will be dead in two weeks. So, good luck. <laughs>